Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Joe Pavlansky, pop culture historian, writer for Scary Monsters magazine, and curator of the Crypt of Classics, co-hosting as always, is the maestro of mail-order mysteries and owner of houseoftheunusual.com, the intrepid Eddie Guevara. Today's special guest is the world-famous actress and all-around totally awesome person, Catherine Chan. How's everybody doing tonight? Eddie, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic. Good, good. Catherine, how are you tonight? Thanks for for being on the podcast with us and uh, sitting down to chat for a little bit. Yeah, of course. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, Catherine, so we understand that you were in the 2012 movie uh, Safe. Yes. (laughs) And that was uh, quite some time ago. So can you tell everybody out there um, just a little bit about yourself, you know, uh, you know, some of the work that you've done, some of your interests and all that, because, you know, we're all about interests and pop culture and, and collectibles and everything on here. So if there's Anything you want to get out there and, and tell us, man, Here here's your chance. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, well, as you said, Safe was a long time ago. Um, I've been into acting since I was a kid. My mom got me into acting school, John Robert Power in uh, New York City. And it's something that I've always just kind of been passionate about. Um, I've done short films here and there, uh, some commercials, but Safe was the main um, thing for Right now I'm in college, so I'm more focused on trying to direct and produce short films and get more experience in just the industry in general. Um, Some of my interests, I love graphic design. I like making typography, um, stuff like that, illustrations. And when I was younger, if we're talking about collectibles, I used to collect the the Met metal badges. Whenever you went to visit, I always came in a different color. I used to collect that before they... um, took that out and started doing the paper tickets instead awesome awesome now uh you said you're you're currently in college now you're going for you know directing and more kind of like behind the scenes type role is that correct yeah so i am a cinematography major so more focused on pre-production development and that kind of aspect behind films awesome so we'll, we'll get into a lot of stuff tonight movies collectibles and you know, some pop culture stuff. Um, Eddie, what's, what's new on your side now? What? Well, basically I, I actually, Catherine, I had watched your movie way back in the day and I actually watched that film about three or four oh. times throughout the years. It makes it sound uh, like it I was 30 or 40 years night. ago. <laughs> no, well, I mean, way back in the day, couple, but I'm saying I've watched. It feels like that to me. Day. Honestly, well, the thing is though, it's funny though. It feels like it's been a while, but you want to know something, though? Uh, I watched it last night, and it was interesting, though. I, I like the fact how you were acting on it because you were pretty young. You were, I guess, 11. Yeah, I Am think. I correct? Yeah, 11. Okay, and, and you did this film. Now, when you, how did you get into this film? Do you remember? Can you tell us yeah, a little bit about um, that? So going to John Robert Powers acting school, they do. Um, every few weeks, an agent will come in. You can try to audition for the agent. If they like what they see, they'll take you on, sign you up for their, and then they will help you find a manager or help you find auditions to go on. And manager who worked together to help me get an audition for Safe. 
Um, I went in the first time. Uh, I think I guess I did well. And eventually, three or four more callbacks, Jason Statham was at one of the callbacks, and I did my lines with him. They tried just to see how we were on screen together. And before you know it, I got the film. <laughs> what do you think of Jason Staten as, uh, as uh, an actor? Do you like him? He seems to be like a really nice person. He uh, is, is he overall? an absolute sweetheart. I remember when I first met him, I was awestruck. I just watched Death Race Trans. with my mom before we even got the audition or knew about the movie. So she thought it was kind of like fate. <laughs> but he is actually the sweetest person ever. I remember... When we were at the premiere of the movie, I was extremely nervous because it was my first time on the red carpet and with paparazzis. And he was just making these jokes with me the whole time, squeezing my hand, making sure that I felt okay and comfortable with everything going on. But he is absolutely the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I compare him because, you know, when you get Matt Dane, when you get uh, the guy who played uh, Jason Bourne, uh, you get... Um you know, Jason Staten and stuff. I, I like his movies. I've watched quite a few of mm -hmm. his films. Uh, he's been one of those action heroes. And, and, you know, it's kind of surprising that for being one of your first mm -hmm. films, am yeah. I correct? First feature, yeah. You you landed a pretty, yeah, you landed a pretty decent role. And, and the film turned out to be a pretty Thank good you. film. Um, when Let me ask you a quick question, because it was kind of funny as I was watching last night, and I'm trying to picture you there as a young <laughs> little kid, and when the guy says to you, you know, uh, the, that Russian, the guy who's playing the Russian, that actor, which I, I know he's done quite a, a few films, I forgot his name. And he says, you know, I have children and I know when they're lying to me. And it's funny because you're 11 and you're like, you know, you're pretty good at your at your role there. You kept it cool. You know, you didn't like get nervous. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, and then uh, doing the chase scene when uh, you're in the car there with uh, Jason and, and and you go to him, you're crazy, <laughs> you know. Uh, now, was that done inside of a studio? How was that done? Uh, the chase to my knowledge, I know, I don't remember exactly where. We filmed mainly in New York and Philadelphia, so I can't remember which one it was, but it wasn't in a studio. It was actually on the street, so they just reserved the whole block down to shoot those. But for the actual stunt scenes, I wasn't even allowed near the place because I'm a minor. So it was a stunt double who did those. Really cool. But for the actual stunts, I wasn't there because I'm a minor. There were laws. And so my stunt double was actually there. And I think I was like in my RV studying with my tutor for class. How did they give a, a stunt double to an 11-year-old? Was she like... <laughs> someone over 18 that was like just you know small statured or how did that I, work she was a to i am to the best of my memory she was a grown woman she actually was a stunt double for um the avatar the last airbender she was a stunt double for the main character ang which was a boy so she had to shave her head for that so for my character she had to wear an actual wig to match my hair oh wow <laughs> yeah but she, awesome. was, she was just about my size and my height and everything. And she did any of the stuff, like the ones I think you see me climbing a wall down the side of a building, anything that required any kind of remote physical extortion, I was not allowed to. <laughs> that, that's very interesting because it was flawless, you know. <laughs> you can't, I'm I mean, glad it to hear it. Like, it was flawless. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's hard to tell it wasn't you, you know. Um, so how, how was it trying to uh, to balance, you know, balance shooting the movie and doing your schoolwork at, you know, at the same time? Was that kind of difficult or, or did you 
you know, get into it pretty well. I guess I wouldn't say it was too bad. I always liked schoolwork, um, so it wasn't too hard balance of it. I guess as a kid, though, it kind of gets to your head when you're like in a movie and everything's block off more than others. But my they had a tutor for me because I had uh, maximum hours I could work a day and a minimum hours I had to study and keep up with my schoolwork. And the school I was going to at the time sent everything that was necessary to the tutor. So I, they were very good at keeping, making sure I was on top of everything. I came back to school, I think, with no problem at all. But it was just sometimes, you know, as a child's kid, um, child actor, it just kind of gets to your head a little bit. Sometimes I just become a little bit, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do this instead. <laughs> Well, that's understandable. I mean, you know, some some adults go through that. But, um, you know, we're, we're talking about movies here. And last, yeah, I think it was the last podcast we did. Me, mm-hmm. me and Eddie, we went through our top 10 favorite movies of all times. Um, you know, one by mm-hmm. one. How they, you get into any like sci-fi or like horror movies, whether it's, oh, you know, contemporary or classic. I love horror movies. Yes, absolutely. Um everything honestly hereditary all the a24 horror um the conjuring franchise like paranormal activity i just actually watched for the first time this year it was, oh, I was really? too scared. yeah i like i remember when it came out as a kid and i was too scared of it and this year me and my roommates decided to in college decided to watch what the first ended up watching the entire series that night <laughs> what are they up to? They're up to what, like four or five of them now, I think? Yeah, I think after the third one, I kind of lost interest. But I think that it was very, I understand how Bloomhouse got its start because it was, I remember the budget was obscenely cheap. And yet they did, uh-huh. like, the box office was amazing for those films. Now, now what mean, about uh, you classic? Got... Do you like any classic movies? Like uh, classic horror or sci-fi or just uh, classic in general, I guess? Um, Yeah, I just... I'm trying to think. I took a horror class last semester, so I we did watch like The Exorcist, The Innocence. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones, but a lot of the iconic horror when it first started. Oh, Frankenstein, Dracula, and everything. I do appreciate those. I completely, I really was fascinated about Exorcist in terms of its marketing, how it advertised itself, how different it was from the horror of its time, because. Before then, a lot of horror posters were extremely tacky, or in the sense that it was like this big monster and then people running away from a terrified. And the Exorcist poster, if you guys can remember, it was like uh, street lamps shining down on the dark street and uh, the priest standing with his back to the camera. And it was just so subtle and understated that people thought it was like a drama piece or something. And it's just, I think Exorcist did a really good job of at its, in its time and just kind of revolutionized the horror industry. I could, I, I could picture that that poster right now and yeah. it's still you know just as creepy as anything in, in the movie yeah. i mean you don't even have to i guess see the movie just the mood that they implemented in into that you know piece for the, on the poster like you said with the the street lamp and the priest with his back to you is just you know some you can right. look at that poster you know something bad is, is going on was <laughs> about to happen <laughs> yeah exactly i just kind of um, we learned in class about how horror has its like cycles, ups and downs in popularity, and I think Exorcist made people realize that horror was not just a um, exploitation film that people were just churning out for as cheap as possible, but that there was some artistic or some value behind it. You know, that's what really kind of started happening in in the seventies. Is 
you know, a lot of these companies, they were just putting out, you know, putting out movies and then they got into the whole sexploitation right. aspect of the, the horror movies. And it was kind of, you know, they were switching for more storylines and, and plots to just kind of like gore and sex. Right, exactly. And when The Exorcist came in, yeah, you had your gore and all that, but it was it was complemented by the storyline because you had such a, an amazing story there. You had amazing actors and it was just, you know, it, it like you said, it, it just kind of redefined the, the horror genre and, you know, made, you know, these directors and writers think, you know, what could actually be done rather than this, you know, slop that they were putting together from, you know, the early seventies to try, try to just get people in the, in theater seats and in drive-in seats and all that. So yeah, exactly. Definitely a classic. What do you think, Eddie? Are you an Exorcist fan? <laughs> no, I actually never uh, did watch the film. Um, I'm really? I'm not much of a horror fan. No, I, I actually never did. Um, I mean, I saw parts of it. Um, I was never too much into the horror genre too much. And, you know, I was like the old-fashioned, the Dracula Frankenstein from the 30s. Mm. Um, the thing that's interesting, though, is when you say paranormal activity in movies like that, it's funny how... With a budget and a few invisible strings, they were able to make so much money out of that. Yeah. And and it's bizarre. It, I mean, I got to hand it down to them, though. I mean, that's a lot of creativity. And that producer, <laughs> I'm sure he's laughing his way to the bank today, you know? <laughs> now, uh, one question I wanted to ask you when in the movies and stuff, because we're talking about the horror films and stuff. Anytime safe place, do they, how do they, how's the pay scale for that stuff as compared to? I know they, they instituted, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, of the original horror, I mean, monster shows that we grew up watching, me and, you know, and, and Joe there, and, and a lot of people my age, um, like the Monsters and the Addams Family. A lot of people don't realize that the guy who played Uncle Fester in the Addams Family uh, also was the first actor, child actor in, Amer- in the world, actually. And he appeared with Charles Chaplin in The Kid. Oh, well, yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and he, uh, because of what his parents did to him and took all his money, uh, basically it forced Hollywood after the other child actor um, who played What's Happening. Um, was it What's Happening, Joe, uh, that they took his money? Al Coleman? You remember Yeah, Coleman? I believe it was What's Happening, yeah. Yeah, he, they, they took his money. So in, uh, Hollywood instituted a thing that they wouldn't give the money to the parents. Uh, they just gave them, you know, I think like in other words, child actors would only be able to retrieve their money that they got paid after they were 21 um, because of the, you know, that some parents were exploiting them. Is that how it is when you were acting? I mean, when you did the movie and stuff, did they apply those rules? Um, or um, I honestly don't know the specifics. I wasn't really paying enough attention, I guess. But I know that my mom put everything that I got from that into an account for me that I could only access after I turned 18. So she was very diligent about making sure that everything went to that. And yeah, that's all I know. Yeah, because the guy I'm talking about is Jackie Coogan. Jackie Coogan was the Uncle Fester from the Adams Family. And you will also, like I said, in in, uh, The Kid, uh, when he played the kid uh, in Charles Chaplin in the the 1900s when the film came out, um, Jackie Coogan, when he passed away, he he died penniless. Really? (laughs) Yeah, his entire, and here is, one of the guys that, of course, he played Uncle Fester, but people didn't realize that he was the first child actor ever in the history of the world. 
And, um, you know, because of that, I mean, it, it, it just made me wonder. And let's say when the movie saves place, every time they play or somebody watches, do they still give you guys like uh, some type of money from that? Yeah, um, I'm forgetting the exact word for it, but um, yeah. Residual, yes, not residual it. income. Yeah, residual income. It just gets mailed to me whenever I think at a, a certain time intervals, I honestly don't know the specifics of it, but it they still do pay you for it, yeah. Oh, so so Joe, make sure you tell all your friends to watch Safe Connect. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, we'll yeah, put please, it on. Please, please. Sure watch party. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put it on a repeating thing. It repeats every Perfect. hour on the hour for the next seven. Amazing. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie will never make it to work. He'll keep watching it all the time. Well, I, I got to tell you the truth. I I, I really was. Um, I like the way the movie plays out, where Jason plays a, an ex cop. He's supposed to be the best of whatever he was. And somehow things went wrong. And then the mayor of the town is involved where he's in control of all the segments. And they're playing between the Chinese mafia, the Russian mafia, and, and crooked cops, mm -hmm. you know. And um, it was it was very funny. I mean, it, it was a good film. It's, it's got a, a, a great ending. Um, and I thought it was really hilarious when you shoot the guy in the leg and you fall back. In your oh, my God. Yeah, from the backfire. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that scene, that was kind of funny. Now, did that actually? Did you actually acted that out? Yeah, that was, double? to my knowledge, at least from my memory, the only scene that I did that wasn't the stunt double. And even for that, they had me practice stunt double, like the stunt double director and everything, in a room with a banana gun. I remember he thought it was a funny joke where he would give me a rubber banana to use as the gun <laughs> until the actual <laughs> day on the set. And even, um, I guess on the day of the set there was a mattress behind me. I'm assuming they just edited that out in post, but yeah, it was. Well, yeah, of course. Cause you fell backwards. Yeah. Right? yeah. And now, now, now go, Oh, go ahead, Eddie. Go no, ahead. I was going to say now acting and stuff. Um, like when you, when you're acting and doing a movie like that, like what time in the morning do they start for, you know, sh shooting for every scene and how long does it take to actually complete the movie? Oh, well, um, I guess I'm trying to think, um, I guess each day kind of changed for what hours you're working for the next day. Most days it would never be too early though. Nothing obscene to ask for a kid to do. And the only time I was just one time, I think we had to work past midnight and it was, they had to stop exactly at 3am to make sure that I wasn't being overworked. And even then it was not that many hours. It was just more that they had to follow the rules and everything, but they always kept it pretty it was never too grueling or anything like that i felt like i was everyone there was just amazing and what was your second question sorry no no the, the, no i was just saying like how long does it take to record oh. a, a movie like you know a couple of months a year um, for actual production at least for my role i don't know about the other actors i was there for maybe two three months okay um I, yeah because you did play you played a female einstein kind <laughs> of a young kid Kind of like Doogie Howser, MD. Yeah, she had kind like the photography. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where you were like super intelligent, so everybody wanted the code. And I thought it was funny the day I saw you, and I said, uh, "Can you let me have the code?" And you're like looking at me, uh, "What code?" <laughs> I get, do you know the code? I get. I, you're like, but, uh, <laughs> you're Go ahead. Some it? code that I don't even know about. He's asking me for it. Apparently, Catherine, do you do. You do you keep in contact with anybody, uh, you know, have you kept in contact over the years with anybody that you uh, were on the film with? Did you make any, you know, friends that, you know, that you still, you know, 
keep yeah. in touch with? Um, my mom did most of that. Well, I kept in contact right after film with Reggie Lee. He played, um, he played my adopted father from the Chinese triad side. He's um, the actor, Reggie Lee. He's amazing. He's the sweetest guy ever. We got like lunch or sometimes uh, me and my mom and him when I was younger. Recently, though, I haven't been in too much contact with him. Um, other than that, the director, Boaz Yakin, and one of the producers, Lawrence Bender, he, they have been amazing um, in terms of the whole thing. And sometimes I'll still keep in contact with them. But Boaz Yakin, he is an amazing director. He actually, I think, wrote the script for Now You See Me and Remember the Titans. He's, oh, okay. Yeah, he's really great. Now, um, now you're, you're getting into directing and, and behind-the-scenes stuff. What, what type of movies are you interested in? in creating well i don't i guess i don't really have a very specific niche right now um for one of my production class right now i'm actually creating a horror short film and i wanted to do all right that's what yeah. i wanted to hear horror movie. yeah another guy in my class and our thought was well my initial thought for the film was that i wanted it to be completely silent um, no dialogue, at least not more than awesome. that, like a few muttered words to himself. It's supposed to be about a guy home alone in his apartment when stuff starts to happen. And, you know, with um, quarantine, not quarantine, but with um, COVID and everything, it, I was trying to shoot like minimal budget, minimal locations, minimal actors, and just to come up with an enticing story with that. And so we're trying to do this with no dialogue. We also thought about doing it in one continuous shot, but we'll have to see about that because that will take extensive amount of prep and planning to get that done. You know, that's awesome because I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of, you know, the old silent movies. I always yeah. you know, think that if you know movies are great because you have the visual aspect. Right, but and I, then I agree. Have... Silence and um yeah. voice film or sound film are complete how the era changed with the introduction of sound is just insane i just wouldn't count those films as the same thing as before right exactly and and i i have a a special place for you know old silent films and you know like i you know with movies you have you know now you have the the visual and the um the auditory you know aspects of of all movies and the same thing I'm, i'm a huge comic book fan and you know same thing with comic books you have the artistic you know, drawing and illustration part, and then you have the story yeah. part. Well, one of my all-time favorite comic books is G.I. Joe number 21. I, I can't remember what year it came out. I believe it was in the mid or late 80s, mm-hmm. but it was the silent issue, and it was with Snake Eyes fighting Storm Shadow, who, or people out there that know G.I. Joe <laughs> will know what I'm talking about. But Larry Hama, he was writing the, um, the G.I. Joe stories at the time while well, he wrote this the story but didn't have any wording in it it was a completely silent story and just the people that they had that were illustrating it was better than any comic book that that i've read you know with words right so when i see a movie where someone could convey their story and just you know visual without you know any type of wording or or anything like that is just I, i always think that's amazing and the people that are able to pull that off are just you know, a cut above the rest of, you know, all these other people. So, well, you know, I, me, I, I hope me, you do a great job on it. <laughs> let, let me, let me, bring, let no me, no pressure me, uh, or nothing. You know? yeah. <laughs> let me, let me bring, uh, Catherine, let me bring some here to the table that I don't know if you're aware of, but there was a movie a few years ago 
And when I'm saying, I don't know, maybe four or five years, it was called the moon. Mm-hmm. Back in and the day. You, you remember that one? Um, no, uh-uh. Okay, the moon is uh, where the guy is, is basically, they show a guy landing on the moon, and the rest of the movie is just the guy by himself trying to survive on the moon. Okay. It was a it was a pretty long long film, like three hours. You know what I'm talking about, Catherine? Catherine? You know I have not seen this film, no. Okay, yeah. No, this film is, is recent. It's not it's not old. It's kind of just like the film. They did a suspense film that there's a guy inside a phone booth. Oh, I know that. The entire film. Okay, it's film. So what you're doing right now is unique in its way, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. The fact you're doing a film of horror, which I attend and so does Joe, conventions. Mm-hmm. Every, I attend it twice a year, and I meet many movie producers there that are new movie producers. They're producing horror films, and horror films, for some reason, is the main thing they produce. Mm-hmm. So every new producer wants to produce their own horror film. Um, so you have a, a very harsh, harsh competition mm-hmm. out there. The thing that makes it a little different of what you're doing is, as you're creating a film with very little wording, it's kind of the same thing that you're creating something that's unique as the people that did paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. They took what they had. And even if you remember those, the Blair Witch Project, the Blair Witch Project, they filmed that with a, with a, like a camera, they carry a long camera yeah. and they made a fortune with it. You know, I think you're doing good in that aspect is what I'm trying to say, because Thank you. every time I've met, you know, I've, I've met so many people that are producers of film. And they've given me their sample DVDs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they produce horror film. Uh, one guy, I think he's put out like 10 or 11 of them. In fact, there's a famous guy that he actually is one of the founders of Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. His name is Michael Epstein. And he has a series of, of, of vampire films. And in fact, he contacted me about six, seven years ago. And he wanted to you know, do a documentary with me on it as uh, co-producing it with him mm-hmm. uh, on you know, novelties. Now, what I'm saying novelties is me and Joe and stuff and my genre of people, and even this podcast is dedicated mostly to collector of people that grew up in, in, you know, in the seventies and stuff and would buy a comic book and they would have novelties they could order and send away for. So a lot of those people in, with the anticipation of waiting, what they got, they usually got at the end of the day, they got, it was kind of like they were defrauded because the item mm. didn't meet up to the expectations. So that's basically what we grew up with the monsters, the, you know, the sci-fi, the, all the, you know, robots and laser guns and everything you can think of in a sci-fi movie. That's the genre I grew up in. But a lot of people have tried to do, you know, movies and most of them, what they do for some reason, every new producer will either do a documentary, mm-hmm. which usually depends, and they base it on World War II, mm-hmm. or they will do horror film. I think what you're doing is unique because I never heard of anybody trying to do a silent horror movie with all the people I've met. So you might have definitely a good niche in that market there. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I um, I guess I was inspired by it. Um, do you guys know the feature film? It came out a few years ago, Lights Out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, not by that film, but the director for it. It was based off of his short film, which you actually you guys can find it on YouTube. It's the Lights Out short film, I think, if you search that. And it was, to my memory, completely silent. And it was just I something about it. It's like six minutes long. It is the most subtle, most simple idea, but it 
just resonates with you so much. I I don't want to spoil too much of it, but there's no jump scares. It doesn't resort to, well, there's, I don't think there was any, any huge jump scares. No, it was just kind of this taking horror and making it extremely subtle, making it something you have to look for. And I just, I was inspired by um, that director. You know, I, I, I really enjoy, you know, like we were talking with the exorcist and the movie poster. I, yeah. To me, I, I like the movies that, that while you're watching it, you kind of get sucked into the mood of the movie where there's, you know, I'm not a big, you know, I, I used to like, you know, all the gore and the jump scares and all that. But to me mm-hmm. anymore, I, I like, I like the mood of a movie. I like the, the story. So, you know, there doesn't have to be any monsters. I mean, you could watch a, a perfectly good horror movie. That's just downright creepy because <laughs> of the way that directors and all that, you know, the, the lighting they have and the set designs and everything. Right. So, you know, I, I always enjoy those movies too. And I think that it takes a special person as well to do something like that because you're you're going above and beyond and you're putting out something that's you know not really out there you know too much mm-hmm. because all, a lot of these movies are you know jump scares and you know they got these you know special effects monsters and, right. and whatnot out there. so yeah silent movie sounds cool man i would you know definitely you know get a hold of us and uh let us know when that comes out yeah so yeah of course you know, Catherine, one thing you have as over me. See, Joe is a little older than me by quite a few yeah, years. Yeah, you wish. <laughs> yeah, well, don't, come on, Joe, don't ruin the thing here. <laughs> and uh, what I was going to say, see, I'm actually, I have about 15 years on Joe. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say that one of the scariest films that I had in my time, and that's why I didn't really become uh, you know, a follower of, of horror film, is because the time I was growing up, there was Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of the, you know, the simple uh, films. This is before Halloween came out. They had Silent Scream, Squirmel. But the thing with the films that really, really got to me, like in, that I think got me more scared. And this is where I think you're really going to excel in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I see a really, really remarkable future for you in that field. And I'll tell you why. When I When I saw a film of Alfred Hitchcock and I wasn't really a fan of Alfred Hitchcock but when they played a commercial and they would show some lady going up the stairs of a Victorian home mm-hmm. some guy grabs her and the only thing you see is a shadow of a knife going up in the air and stabbing her mm-hmm. but you you don't see it you just see the knife and the shadow that thing was scary you know yeah and there yeah, was a just film like, that I, what was I that Bates Motel you know when they did yeah Bates Hotel you're right they did that there was no you know you didn't see any of Mm-mm. the uh the gore you said you've seen some blood running and all that but that you know that that's that, a ta- it's a takeoff joe it's a takeoff from the past they they yeah, copy that, that, those things yeah that scene was so effective i mean there was reports of you know people not wanting you know to take showers that they right. were afraid to go in the shower and alfred hitchcock you know made this this totally you know brand new scene in psycho that you know had really never been done before and he didn't really you know didn't really do much there wasn't i mean you look at it, there really wasn't much there you've seen you know at the end of it the the blood run down the the drain mm-hmm. it but you know it, it was very psychologically effective i you know i and, think psychologically mm-hmm. what you're saying psychologically effective the way yeah. you're doing a film and you're trying to get a film that it portrays and it says everything without people speaking and talking it's it's i think the biggest part of that and and joe you gotta i don't know if you got to see it or even you agreed the last time i told you 
one of the scariest films I ever saw that to this day I don't really want to see it and I don't like it. It's called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. And now, Catherine, we're not talking about the modern day version of it. Mm-hmm. If you look up Don't Be Afraid of the Dark from the 1970s, mm-hmm. it's a film that this couple buy a house and it's a, like a Victorian house. And down in the cellar, in the basement, there is a fire, um, a chimney, an old chimney. And it's got a steel plaque over it. Mm-hmm. And the lady's about to, you know, take it off because she wants to, you know, clean up the house and refix it, whatever, remodel it. And the janitor, the the guy who kept um, the house, uh, whoever, not the janitor, but the guy in charge of, of the estate goes to her, do not ever open that. Don't ever open that door. So she didn't listen. She went ahead and opened it. <laughs> and every night when it would get dark, these little guys would come out. They looked like little miniature moon monsters or something. <laughs> and they would say, we want you. We want you. And the idea was that they wanted to drag her body into the chimney and take her, you know, like whatever. So everywhere in the house, they would appear. But when they saw light, they were afraid of it. But the premises of that film, like the whole nature of the film, mm-hmm. scared the heck out of me. And I, I hated films that dealt with horror ever since that time. <laughs> I grew up watching any, you know? No, I completely <laughs> understand. I didn't even get to horror until high school. My friend, he forced me to watch the first Insidious and I was terrified the whole time that I didn't want to be watching it. And I think what really, what drew me in was this one scene where he had to pause the actual scene. He's like, in the background, like, there's something right there. Like, I don't want to spoil too much of it. And something about that, I think up until then, you know, a lot of people see horror as this kind of tacky, cheap exploitation film. And you really start to realize that there are a lot of really like Jordan Peele right now or Ari Aster, they're doing such amazing work and just elevating horror movies as like their status and everything. And I think it's really important. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that Jordan Peele brought back, you know, the twilight zone and uh, I haven't seen too many of them, but what I really hope with, with him bringing back the twilight zone is that a lot of people that never watched the original ones, you know, my hope is that they go back and they, they check them out because those are some of the greatest stories that have ever been told on television. Yeah. You know, in the Twilight Zone. So, yeah, I am. Um, you know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, you're going to say I'm a huge fan of the Twilight Zone. I, um, <laughs> I was going to agree with your point about how I watched his, the Jordan Peele version, the pilot episode, I think, and it go back into the old ones because I hadn't seen them before. And awesome. actually, um, Rod Sterling, he and there's like a Rod Sterling scholarship award for him for named after him but oh no kidding yeah but you know like the originals as always can't be beat <laughs> but oh I, I I love the my favorite one is the um there's no more time where uh Burgess Meredith he's playing the character and he um all he wants to do is read books because I'm, I'm a huge book fan I, you know I love to read yeah and uh, you know he an atomic bomb goes off he's you know, he doesn't die and he comes out and all he wants to do is read. And, you know, now he says there's finally time because everyone's gone. And then he, <laughs> His glasses fall off. He steps on them and they break so he can't read. You know? <laughs> it's such a great story and it's so simple right. in its premise, but so effective. And, and all, all the Twilight Zones are like that. They're just absolutely amazing. So I'm glad you got to go back and, you know, and, and watch them and, and check them out. Hopefully more people, you know, did the same as well. Yeah, hopefully. You know, 
Catherine, you probably might not know the guy he's talking about, Meredith. That's the guy who also played the Penguin in the Batman series. In the oh, 1960s. okay. That okay, that's the same guy. Man, that's, Rocky, that's Rocky's <laughs> trainer, man. Oh, really? Yeah, but yeah, that's um, uh, what's his name in the, in the Rocky movies yeah, where he uh, yeah, yeah that's but the, he the played the Penguin, the you know? Remember? <laughs> yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he played. He played Rocky's trainer. He played. Uh, the the thing with him though is that um, that show is really really good with the Twilight Zone. I agree. And the one you saw, the pilot, I gotta tell you, that was a good episode too for modern day Twilight Zone. You know, mm-hmm. I, it actually made me buy the whole series, the modern one that they redid. I know they're bringing, they bought it back again, but I'm talking about the remake of it in the um, I don't know, mid nineties, I think it was, or two thousand something. You know what I'm talking about, Joe? Correct. Yeah, somewhere around there, they did a few episodes of it. It it didn't get real good reception. I think they, the stories like, kind of lacked. It's like anything. Sometimes when you, sometimes when you get, uh, depending what it is, sometimes you would have certain parts that it could happen like that, where people are not going to react to the second and third part, whatever. Uh, you know what's one of my modern day favorite series though? When we're talking about stuff like that, the blacklist. Do you like the blacklist, uh, Catherine? I haven't seen that. You have never with James Spader? Mm-mm. Is that a TV show or a movie or? It's it's a it's a TV show based on like FBI and you know, uh, and the mob. Well, I mean, it's let's just put it this way: it's supposed to be uh, the premises of the show is that the most wanted man in the FBI list turns himself in, and in exchange for the names of a blacklist, they have to you know, heed to him for certain things he demands. The show is so phenomenal that I've probably watched every episode for the first seven seasons or six seasons, like six times each. Oh, wow. Easy. Yeah. And I love the show. The only thing that really bothered me is that it was at the end of the seven seasons and they actually give you 22 shows a season. I think they should have shut down at 18 if they didn't have enough filming material for a 19th episode mm-hmm. because of the of the thing. But I guess they wanted to complete an ending and they <laughs> did the 19th episode half human, half cartoon. Wow. They animated the series. I yeah, think, honestly, weird. I bought the seventh season because I want to have it, but I hope they make up for that on the eighth season by maybe adding an extra two shows or double, whatever. But that one should never have been done. Mm. It was hard it was just plain stupid and i could never say that about one of my favorite the best show i've ever watched in my time that i fell in love with but um, i gotta get out there and watch that show you keep <laughs> talking about it and i still have yet to to see it. <laughs> it, it it's fascinating it's it's like a puzzle from you you basically they did the way they did it the writers the way they did that it's so phenomenal i mean you got it from the very first episode to the last you find pieces that tell you what the mystery is, and it's still a mystery at the end. There's see, so the, much people. See, that's the thing. I'm a, maybe I'm afraid that I'm just going to get so sucked in that you know I'm just going to watch yeah, every well, episode and it'll take up my you know two weeks of my life, and I'm like, what the heck happened? <laughs> well, I I, I didn't want to get into anything that dealt with uh, you know weekly TV shows because of that reason. So I was watching movies all the time. But I, I'm see I'm the type of guy that like I love movies like the one with uh, with with Catherine like say I love Jason Bourne I love those films all those films you need to have and those films are like I really oh, yeah, get I, drawn into it 
I love blockbusters and everything. It's my mom's actual favorite film. And her argument is that you go to the movie theater to escape and action films are the best way to do it. She loves Fast and Furious, all the um, Jason Bourne, all the, all those movies. <laughs> and honestly, oh, yeah, yeah. My, my wife's the same way. She loves the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. And I, I think I've seen like the first two of them. And she's like, come on, we got to go see the next one. They're up to, you know, 39. They're, or yeah, like they're, all, they're, <laughs> they're really going all out with that. <laughs> but you know what's is, is that every time I get sucked into watching one that's on TV, you know, I'm usually standing there and I'm looking at it. Next thing I know, I'm sitting on the couch, you know, watching the whole thing. I'm like, where did the last two hours go? <laughs> Hey, uh, guys. Because uh, you're right, it is it's an escape. We're, we're going to ask uh, just a last couple, like a close-up, because we're now closing, almost getting to the end of the hour there. So we have about five minutes left. Um, uh, any questions, anything you would like to say, Catherine? Um, no, nothing that I can think of. It was really great to talk to you guys, though. Yeah, same with you, Catherine. And, I'll, you know, get let everyone know if you have any you know, social media or websites or anything or, or any ways to contact you if you want to, you know, get it out there to, to everyone, you know, go ahead and do that. Yeah, sure. My um, Instagram is at Catherine Chan, one word, no space. Um, yeah. Reach out to me if you have any. Uh, okay, yeah, awesome. Catherine, Eddie, what do you got to say now? Yeah, what I got to say there is that basically <laughs> The, the advantage uh, that you have is with YouTube today, something we didn't have at the time. Mm-hmm. When you start producing your shows and you start putting them out there, you can build a really decent audience and, you know, get pretty famous fast. In fact, my uh, grandson was watching a show, I, I think it's called Kyle and, and Friends, mm-hmm. and it's got a 2 million subscription list, and the guy has made like $3 million a year based on, which is kind of crazy, on little kids viewing the channel <laughs> and they play games in their home, you know? Yeah. So if you, you have a niche right now, I'm going to tell you, you have a niche that is an original horror niche because all the films in horror were made in silent. But if you just, you know, you hit the right market, I think you will do very well with that. Thank you. Yeah. Because it, yeah, it, a that's real that's genius right. is a, is a producer that can, Produce a sh- and with very little words, tell a story. You know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, but listen, thank All you right, for well, being Kat- on the show. And yeah, Catherine, definitely thanks for for joining us for this little chat. Um, Eddie, you know, thanks as always for for being out here. And uh, everyone out there, you could go to houseoftheunusual.com. <laughs> we have a form out there. So Catherine, make sure you get on there and join the. Form yeah, definitely. And- you could talk movies and UFOs and Bigfoot and everything else that we uh, <laughs> talked about on there. And um, everyone else, you know, we have a YouTube channel, House of the Unusual, with also Cryptic Classic uh, videos on there. We're always uploading videos. You can also find us on Instagram, uh, Cryptic Classics, and House of the Unusual. So that's it. Uh, thanks to everybody for, for joining us. And good night, guys. You all had a good time. Thank, Thank you. Come Bye-bye. back. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.